Welcome to Simple Pleasures, a podcast about finding the joy in the everyday. Each month, I'll be sharing the little things that make me feel good, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. Let's make our everydays the most joyful of all. Hi, it's Carrie, and welcome back to Simple Pleasures. I don't know about you, but I feel like life is finally slowing down again after a very fun but jam-packed summer and it's left my reserve tanks a little empty and the world feeling a little more overwhelming in the last few weeks. So for this episode I wanted to talk about my relationship with self-parenting and how celebrating the little wins have helped me care and parent for myself in the overwhelm. This episode also includes some practical tips and tools you can take away to support and care for yourself when the world around you feels too much. So pop the kettle on, get cosy and let's dive in. I feel it in the most mundane of moments. It's instinctual and sits at the base of my throat. It's a sharp intake of breath when you really need to take a deep one or an icy glass of water that sends your head spinning. It's there when I don't understand the terms of my car insurance or when I can't find that important document that I know I put somewhere safe. It can be found curled up at the end of a Sunday or in a YouTube DIY tutorial about how to fix your oven. It stares intently at me when I'm trying to make important decisions about whether to accept a job offer and doesn't leave my side when I'm being indecisive at a supermarket. It's the phone call when you need to hear that everything's going to be okay. The voice that can calm the uncalmable, that whatever the situation or personal disaster, tells you to put the kettle on and that things will feel better in the morning. It's the loss of being parented. I am so lucky to have cultivated a queer family of my own, from lifelong friends who have known me since I was 11 to recent pals who live round the corner and drop off surprise care packages. I cannot speak about the loss without also honouring the incredible community I've gained in the process. But there is a loss, and that's what I want to talk about today. The highs and lows of being a self-parent, because that's what I am. There is a part of me that is already an excellent mother. She puts me in the bath when I don't know what to do with myself and makes me beans on toast when I am too sad to get out of bed and cook myself dinner. She is rational and loves me even when I make mistakes. She rubs my back when I can't stop crying and tells me to put ice cubes over my eyes before I go to bed so they don't go puffy. She pops the kettle on whenever I feel uneasy and recommends a walk when I start to overthink a conversation. She gives me unconditional love, even when part of me feels completely unworthy. She dries my skin after a shower and tells me to use the fancy moisturiser. And that's the bit I've always been good at doing. I learnt to care for myself deeply at a young age, and it's what's allowed me to build the life I have now. But I've had to learn the other bits. Like writing lists about what I need to remember or making a spreadsheet to help me get to the end of the month with a little bit of money left. 
It's the part of me that finds myself crying in the post office queue when I forget to sort out my car tax on time or gets frustrated when I can't make a printer work. The practicalities of life can feel enormous to me and that's when I miss having a dad. My dad was someone who I struggled to articulate, a person that feels both mine and hugely unknowable to me. He's the person I'd call to talk me through the pros and cons of selling my car and would be unfazed by my tears and immediately make a to-do list with each step clearly outlined. The gaps in my knowledge of how to practically live life, like council tax and car permits and life insurance and wills, are momentous. Like my dad, they feel both mine and hugely unknowable to me. In these moments, there are four things I've learned that help me tame the overwhelm into something that feels much more manageable, and I'm going to share them with you now. First up is letting myself feel whatever it is I am feeling, which is so much easier said than done. I've talked before about how, for me, emotions are first felt in my body rather than in my mind. I feel it before I can speak it. So making sure I carve out time to check in with my body on a regular basis helps me keep my emotions in check and minimises any overwhelm before it gets too much. Personally, I find there are two ways that work well for me to do this, depending on my mood. One is lying on my yoga mat for 15 minutes and the other is a long walk with no headphones. Both give me the space to do a mental scan of my body and check in with how I'm feeling. Over the years, I've learned what certain emotions feel like in my body. For example, anxiety sits at the base of my ribcage and makes my breathing shallow and frantic. Whereas I feel sadness in my throat, making it harder to swallow and speak without wobbling. Being able to switch off my mind and give my body a language to understand my emotions has helped me enormously in identifying how I feel without using the rational part of my brain. And when I keep this up on a regular basis, I really notice the difference. Not only do I feel more connected to myself, but I also feel like I have more space to manage and handle the stresses of day-to-day life. The second thing that helps me is breaking down my emotions into actions, which might sound very clinical on the surface, but bear with me. I'm a big advocate of writing things down. Sometimes the simple act of getting my thoughts out of my head and onto paper is all I need for things to feel more manageable. But when the overwhelm is particularly present, I find breaking down the feelings into tangible actions the next best step. When I had to move house unexpectedly last year, I used this method to help me look after my emotions and make the practical steps feel more doable. For example, my first emotion on the list was, I feel scared and ungrounded. And the action I wrote down next to it was, take extra care of myself over the next few weeks. And I wrote down a few ideas of ways I could do that. Keeping up with my exercise routine, 
switching up my schedule so I could relax a little bit in the mornings. Asking friends to come over and do some of the scarier bits with me so I felt supported. The list went on. Now, I'm not saying there's an action for every feeling, but even simply writing down that you need to take extra care or being aware that you feel like there's no action you can take can go a long, long way in helping you feel listened and understood by yourself. This action-based approach also worked really well for the more practical things, like finding a new flat. Whilst I couldn't control the crowded market, there were tangible things I could do to give myself the best chance. This action list read as set up right move alerts, put an alarm on your phone to check the listings at the same time each morning, block out time in my calendar to call estate agents and liaise. Things I knew I needed to do, but having them written down in front of me meant I didn't have to hold it all in my head. And that freed up space for my brain to relax and just be. One trick that helps me if I really don't want to do this, even though I know it helps, is to pretend I'm helping a friend. We are often so good at nourishing and supporting our friends that if you apply the same principles to yourself, it can work wonders in helping you feel more empowered to help yourself. My third tool is maybe the one I find the hardest, and I think most of you would agree. Reaching out and asking for help when you can't give it to yourself. You could track the trajectory of my life through my search engine history. The 4am question about finding an NHS dentist when I have toothache, or the search about the difference between an MOT and a service, which I did every day for a fortnight before finally booking both. And somehow that little flickering search bar has reached out and given me the exact comfort I need. It's a steady voice when I feel uncertain. It's the facts when I'm anxious about the fiction. It's always there and right at my fingertips. And often, right next to Google, is a group text, asking those around me for any help they can offer. From driving me and my belongings halfway up the country in a move to a new city, to dropping me off at airports, to talking to a friend's dad about car insurance. The people around you want to help you. And more often than not, I found they're really happy to and pleased you've reached out and can trust them. So even though it feels scary and difficult at times, remaining open and vulnerable with others can sometimes help you more than you could ever help yourself. Lastly, and this might come as no surprise, but I find maintaining simple pleasures as a practice, even on the days where it feels really tough, helps me enormously. After a day of feeling rubbish, the last thing I want to do is think about what felt good. But doing so helps me shift my mindset and acknowledge the things that went right. Joy truly is a practice and staying consistent, even on the days when it's harder to find, makes me feel more resilient, grounded and connected to myself. If you want to find out more about how you can start your own practice, then check out the episode from season one, which is full of practical tips to help you on your way. 
looking after and parenting myself during the trickier moments is still something I'm learning. But I hope this episode inspires you to think about how you can care and parent yourself in a way that feels good. It might look totally different to mine, and that's okay. But I'd like to invite you to spend the next five minutes thinking about how you can check in with yourself in a way that feels good and simple actions you can take to help you manage your emotions and care for yourself whilst doing so. Remember that nothing is too small here. You might feel silly about writing down that you need to laugh with a friend or send voice notes or buy yourself your favourite coffee to help you start the day with some joy. But these small actions, when added up, become big. More so, they become the foundations from which you can leap off and thrive. It's been seven years since I became estranged and I've parented myself through every minute and major disaster that's happened in that time. I've helped myself stay calm at airports when I've wanted to scream and I've cooked myself too many delicious and weird dinners to count. I've taken myself out for runs when I've not wanted to go I've allowed myself to feel proud when I tick something off my practical life admin list that I've been putting off. I've held my own during a global pandemic when it felt like the world was ending. And in the doing, I've realised another gift in the loss. A deep, instinctual, loving voice that comes from me. Growing around what is missing to make something new. And what a gift that is. So, here's to the simple pleasures of self-parenting, in whatever form that looks like for you. Here are some simple pleasures of self-parenting that I've learnt to love along the way. That feeling of relief after you've done something you've been putting off for ages. Talking yourself down when you're about to have a meltdown that sense of calm post-therapy. Getting into fresh bed sheets when you really couldn't be bothered to change them, but did. Finally booking yourself a medical appointment and taking care of your body. Saying no to a drink when I don't fancy it and I know it will make me feel worse. Hanging up my towels once I've used them. Waking up to a sparklingly clean kitchen opening your windows to let fresh air in, having an early night when you feel a bit wobbly, getting out for a walk at least once a day in nearly all weathers, walking around my freshly hoovered flat in bare feet, asking for help when you need it, having a well-stocked medicine cupboard, making your exercise routine loose enough to live in. Saving up for something you really want instead of buying it straight away. Checking in on how I feel about things or situations before they bubble up. Having a list on my phone of things that make me feel grounded for when I don't. Always having at least one of your favourite childhood foods in your cupboards for emergencies. 
Googling whatever you need to, whenever you need to. Knowledge is power and instantly makes me feel less anxious. Asking when you don't understand things. It's okay not to be an expert in everything. Writing a list before you go food shopping and having a snack before you go too. Moisturising your body before you go to bed. Holding yourself to account kindly, even when you've really fucked up. Being the person who always carries painkillers, plasters and sun cream in their bag. I'm still working on this one. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more simple pleasures before the next episode, then you can find me on Instagram at It's The Simple Pleasures, where I share my day-to-day, everyday joys, from hot, buttery toast to having a chat in the supermarket. Hope to see you there. Until next time.